What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Swamp and Stomp podcast. I'm your host, Mark Barton. And today, I'm sitting down with one of our uh, very strange team members. We got Mug here, David. What's your last name again? Swamp Walker. That's not a last name. You can find him on Instagram under Swamp Walker. And he is a South Florida native. Well, not really, but he's been, he's been living here forever, hunting here forever. And he likes to focus on deer that live in a pretty peculiar area. They like to hang out in sawgrass and cattails. These are the marsh bucks of South Florida. We're going to talk about some of the peculiarities about these deer, how to hunt them. Um, and we get into all kinds of weird stuff like uh, how the rut works in South Florida and maybe some, some cool strategies to try out to uh, try and pattern your deer here in South Florida. So uh, before we dive into it, just want to uh, make a couple quick announcements. Uh, you have missed all of our uh, events that we do in the off season, which means season is about to start. Season starts next weekend. Um, but we do have some coupon codes that you guys can use to save some money. So if you're looking to buy some gear, um, if you're looking to get into saddle hunting, think about uh, Wood Hunting Saddles. This is a local Florida company. They have, in my opinion, the best saddles that any company makes. Um, and to make it even better, they make one of their saddles, the Deluxe, in our Swamp and Stomp High Pine Camo. Um, so you can match it up with our camo, which you can get on um, Um You can also find all of the uh, wood hunting saddle stuff on that website, and you can use the code SNS10 to get 10% off on all of wood hunting saddle stuff, as well as ropes uh, made, I think it's Blue Water Ropes, um, that they're a dealer of. They're awesome ropes if you're into SRT climbing get 10% off on that stuff. Or if you're not quite ready to jump into a saddle and you're still really happy with your climber, think about a JX3 hybrid, which is basically a hybrid saddle. It's got a frame, but you still tether in. So you have the mobility of being in a saddle, but you have the comfort of sitting in a recliner. Um, you can use the code SNS22 to get yourself $20 off of a JX3 hybrid. If you want to get 20% off of the Spartan Forge app, you can use the code SNS20. And this app is so cool. Um, it has so many really cool features that really just kind of uh, combine all the cool stuff that you'll find on the competitors app, but at a third of the price and you can get 20% off on your first year. So go check that out. And uh, I think that's all the coupon codes that we've got. Uh, if I missed any, just go look down in the description of this podcast or go check out some of our videos on YouTube. You can find all the information in the descriptions there as well. So without any further ado, let's get right into this podcast and talk about bucks in South Florida. All right, well, cheers. Have I had four or five sips of it already? <laughs> well, we're recording. I guess now's probably a good time to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about. Deer. <sighs> Definitely deer. Putting meat in the freezer. I was kind of thinking uh, we should talk about grass bucks. That's a big area. I know. It's huge. I mean, well. We'll call when, it Everglades bucks. Yeah, when we, when we say grass, like, 
you know, it, it can be the Everglades. It can be like lake bucks too, like on the, the edges of lakes and stuff, you know? Um, there's a lot of lakes in Florida um, that you can, that have like sovereign lands around the outsides. High water um, mark's tricky though. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating that people go uh, just willy nilly trying to figure out where to hunt, but. Um, I still don't understand it. I don't really understand it either, but there's certain areas where, where you can do it. Um, you know, there's a couple big rivers in Florida and there's a couple lakes where you can hunt sovereign lands. And bottom line is in those places, like you'll find deer in habitat that is like not typical of what people think of. Like, like I feel like people think of a deer as like a woodland creature, you know, but that things adapt to anything. Yeah. They live well, in your backyard. And and I think you can go up to like like Ohio. Like you've hunted Ohio quite a bit. A know? lot. And there you might consider them woodland creatures. Well, when you I've talked to a few friends up there and I'm like, Y'all got any swamps around here? Because that's just like what I know and I know how to kill deer in swamps. And they're like, Swamps? Deer don't go in the swamps. Right. Then I go fucking excuse me. They go down some Oh God, here we go. <laughs> go down like small creeks and small rivers and find like little thick floodplain swamp areas and you go in there and it's like, there's a crap ton of sign in here. Nobody mm-hmm. goes in them except the yeah. Amish. They'll drive. Well, and I think that's that's part of the problem is like a lot of the media is focused on those areas up north where deer are not really necessarily living in swamps. Well, I wouldn't say that they don't because like, because you look at um, what's his face, the hunting beast. You know, yeah, he's, like he he's all his... about he's all about hunting in the marshes. And and I guess we should differentiate a marsh and a swamp. Like when we're talking about a marsh, we're talking about grass, yeah. like you know, grassy type, uh, like whether it's cattails or sawgrass or something like that. Usually expansive, open fields of tall grass that's taller than the deer. And, and there's usually patches of islands where it's drier and there might be some shrubs and trees, which up in Wisconsin, which is where the hunting beast is, it's, yeah. it's a lot of cattails. Down here, we have a lot of cattails as well, yeah. um, but we also have a lot of sawgrass. And, but I think just in general, like we're talking marsh bucks, you know, they're hanging out in this grassy, wet stuff. Stuff that people don't traditionally think of as deer habitat. Right. Typically, people are thinking of either woods or swamps, which a swamp is usually more open water, muddiness, and trees, you know, like a cypress, a cypress swamp. Um, which, of course, can have deer in it, too. But sort of the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is, one, I, I like, I want to... I want to talk about some of the different areas that you might actually find deer. A lot of people sort of overlook. And two, you've been spending several years now, like trying really hard to kill a grass buck. I've got one. He's well, you got one. Shot another one. But <sighs> well, let's get into that stuff. Uh... What the heck happened last year? I mean, so, oh, so okay. Let, let, let's... <laughs> We, we just like went off on a tangent started right into this conversation people were like who the hell are these two voices that are talking so uh for those of you guys who are listening uh sorry i didn't do this before but welcome to the swamp and stomp podcast i'm mark you guys probably know my voice this is mug 
Mug's been on the team for like what this is like the, this will be third year. This is the third season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the first first of those seasons was kind of like a trial period and you filmed something and then we, we ended up putting out one of your videos and it's sort of in the middle of that season that we were like, Yeah, let's make it a thing. So first one was the best one at this point. Well it's the only one you actually <laughs> killed something. Um that was a great year for you. How many bucks did you kill that year? Three. Killed two down here and one in Ohio. Yeah. And so. then filmed my dad shoot that one, which was I'll take that. I'll take half the credit for that. Yeah. Well, and also, <laughs> didn't you? You killed the the two in Florida, like in like a week. Yeah, I shot a three point is legal and a nine point. That was opening opening week, first yeah. afternoon, and then second week first afternoon yeah so that was a good year and then what the hell happened last year it wasn't my year because i had a streak i was killing two or three deer a year for like four or five years now and then last year it was i could have shot a bunch of like i got plenty of footage i just haven't put it out yet because you don't know how to edit yeah i need to spend more time <laughs> doing that i just really don't like computers but no like I could have killed a couple, quite a few. I could have probably shot 10 does last year. Yeah. Just, well, I've, I've got footage of me. Foot, yeah. Well, no, but I'm saying like <laughs> I drew back and was set on the pin just practicing. And I got a video of my arrow falling off the string. And I just look at the camera and I'm like, yeah, you just put that music over it. <laughs> I don't know why we haven't seen that footage. Uh, I guess we should probably put that up. Maybe we can like just do, do a short. We'll do just, do just like a blooper reel mm -hmm. right before you actually kill one this year hopefully <laughs> um but but yeah so you you passed on some does you had bucks just running by you well i had yeah i just it just wasn't my year i zig they zag and get them at 50 yards or get them at eight yards and not able to take a shot it's like yeah just how well, it goes and then, you, and then you did shoot one what happened there why don't you tell that story that's messed up <laughs> focused 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 I text a buddy I'm like hey do you think they'll use the like describing a habitat to him like you think they'll come out of this it's cattails super deep cattails that I was like even I wasn't going to go across he's like yeah absolutely before I could put my phone in my pocket that deer was coming out of the cattails at like 10 yards and I swung my muzzleloader up on him and gut blasted him quartering to me at 10 yards oh that was terrible that was a wall hanger yeah, well, and we, hey, we they did, all are when you don't get them. We did everything right. I backed, I was at, shot them five o'clock in the afternoon, backed right out, came in that next morning and put a dog on it. And that deer went 900 yards and we still never found him. Where he went, no one knows. Have you seen him again this year? No, but I went back out there every day after work for four days looking for buzzards all the way out there. And that was a really far distance mm -hmm. and never seen buzzards. So either he didn't die or a gator stuck him in a hole. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe a gator got him because... Uh, yeah, but... Um, you could just eat the whole thing. And Unless a bunch of vultures got on him the next day and cleaned him quick, because I mean, it can happen. They will clean him, like, insanely fast. It's it's kind of nuts how quickly they'll do that sometimes. I'm not done. I'm going to go look for him once it dries up. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's, hey, if he's on the head, I'll find him. <sighs> that's... I mean that's that's a mission like just just so you guys understand like what we're talking about here like we're talking about the Everglades like this stuff is not only thick like it's just a wall of cattails and then 
it's knee usually at least knee deep. Oh, oftentimes it's waist deep, you mm-hmm. know. And there's like trails going through it, and and the deer just use the trails. And if you want to try to make your own way, mm. it's so much work. <laughs> a ton, a it's ton of work. Absolutely ridiculous, and it's it's kind of hard to imagine that deer live in that stuff, but they they kind of thrive in it. Like there, I think there's a lot more deer out there than people realize. There is, but not many people are willing to put in the effort because it's like borderline. You're almost killing yourself doing the work. Like you got to be out there with another person that's not working. That it's making sure you don't overdo it. It's like people like me. I get into a flow and I'm just going and going. And the next thing I know, I'm like, my vision's getting blurry. Yeah. It's 105 with the you know, <clears throat> reflection of the water, the mud. It's you're killing yourself. But yeah, and there's like there's no reward. shade. There's like no trees. No, and no breeze because you're down in cattails. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, and then, yeah, there's just like, what, like little islands where it's all just like myrtles and stuff. I and mean, I got like two inch mountains around me out there. They're betting on that. <laughs> But yeah, no, like, the, I mean, they'll be, even when the grass is super thick, they'll just like, you'll find a spot where they just like kind of lean over on it and to get up out of the water. Oh, really? They won't, you know, if it's, if it's three inches of water, they can get up out of it. But yeah. you also see, like, I've seen, heard stories about it. And then last year was the first time I saw somebody kill one with hoof rod up to his elbows and it was oh, all, wow. the skin was just gone. That's pretty gnarly. Well, this is part of the reason, I guess, that they're frequently closing those areas because the water level has been so high lately so they close it during deer season to like give the deer a chance to get in onto the dry oh, land yeah because you'll have people go down the levee and shoot them yeah they just or drive. any dry road yeah just drive around and shoot they do that anywhere when like a couple years ago at a local management area when the hurricanes hit they shut yeah. that down too because people were shooting deer off the road yeah yeah i mean pretty much anytime water levels get high especially in these places where where you find these grass bucks, grass deer, those water levels get high, like they don't really have anywhere to go. And they, uh, they're usually pretty easy pickings at that point. Yeah, it's my favorite kind of people. The what? Road, the, my favorite kind of people, the road hunters. <laughs> I mean. That's my, that's my personal bone to pick, not anybody else's. I mean, sometimes they can be pretty effective, you know? Oh, like yeah. there, was, there was that one year I was out with, uh, with Robbie, you know? We just drove around and spotted bucks. Well, and that's then, and spotting stocks different than yeah. shooting them on a dry road. Oh, right. Yeah, you were telling me about this guy that launched an arrow like. Oh yeah, there's always ridiculous guys ridiculous distance. Yeah, well, there's plenty of them. Yeah. And then like, didn't he like hit the buck you were after like in the backstrap or something like that? I don't know. There's. I don't. I don't even know if he hit. It. He just. The, there's pretty messed up story he told me of how. Well, tell the story. You don't have to give his name. I want to know. I don't know. The only where where this dude supposedly launched at this. Well, first of all, the buck was out so far. He was using the bottom of his sight housing supposedly <clears throat> to line up the shot. So it was past who whatever pin he was launching with. Uh. And I, I did ask if he was like, if he practiced that distance, he was like, oh, I've hit the target at whatever it was, 70 yards or 80 yards <laughs> or 60 yards. And it's like, well, that's smart. And where he would have shot at this deer at that distance, you would have to have been like on something elevated and 
standing in the bed of a truck. Or on top of it. <laughs> I mean, so, there's plenty I, of people in South Florida that do that kind of thing. So. Well, there's places where you can. I mean, there's a, well, there's a lot of places where you can. doesn't mean you should. Well, yeah, but I mean, I just, uh, the biggest thing to chat my ass about that was you don't even know what the hell you're shooting at at that distance when you don't practice or have a pin set for that distance. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'll Kentucky windage something with a rifle when it's a two to three inch drop difference. Yeah. Not a two to three foot distance. Yeah. That actually reminds me, uh, me and, uh, who was, it was me and John. We were out um, doing some spot and stock hunting. We had um, Captain Jack Spiro with us. He was filming behind us. But uh, we don't have any proof of this story because... <laughs> Jack so didn't hit and record. Jack didn't hit record. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically we, we were sneaking up on this really nice buck that was ten in a doe, and he was like focused on this doe, and we we probably got into I don't I don't know I think we were probably at like maybe seventy yards away from this buck, and he's just standing there like looking around, and um, all of a sudden the buck like freaks out and like just takes off running the hell just happened the wind's perfect you know like i don't know what the heck just happened and all of a sudden two dudes stand up and one's like standing on the other side of like us from where the buck was and then another guy's like so we're all stalking in on the same buck from different directions i had no no clue like <laughs> who was there well after talking with them it turns out that one of the guys was at 30 yards and he was like knocked ready he had his release attached he was ready to shoot he was waiting for the buck to look the other way. Well, his buddy was at like 60 or 70 yards and both of them had like ancient bows, like your bow. Hey, yeah. it kills. <laughs> It'll do the trick, <laughs> but you can't deny that like long range is not its strong suit. Hell no. And so this dude didn't even, I think he had a pin for 40. It was like 20, 30, 40. And he launched an arrow at 70, just like, just, just, Wung it, you know, just launched an arrow, completely missed. Meanwhile, his buddy was at 30 yards and could have smoked it. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing, man? If you practice, I know there's, there's plenty of people, and we know plenty of people that practice at, like, ridiculous distances, but they continually kill deer <clears throat> at those distances because they've been doing it for so long, they know how to read a deer, and they practice it. I don't know if I would say that I know people that practice at long distances and kill oh, A couple. I mean... Well, I mean, I wouldn't advocate for, no, no, for those I, long shots because there's just, like, too much that can happen. I don't like anything outside of 40 yards. Yeah, 40 is my cutoff, too. And I've never shot a deer over 30. I, I <laughs> shot one at 44. That was, like, the furthest I've ever gone. If, for me, for my bow, <clears throat> 40 yards is still, like, pushing it. Oh, yeah, because your bow's shooting at, like, 200, 200 feet per second. 30 or something, but yeah. it's, like, lob of... It's an artillery machine. It's just... Thunk. Well, actually, that said, like, when I shot that buck at 44, uh, I I was shooting my really heavy setup, and I was at 52-pound draw because of my shoulder surgery, and uh, my arrows were coming out at 230 or something like that. But, but the thing is, I had an adjustable sight, so I was able to, like, range it and dial it to 40 and send it. And the thing is, like, just because it's heavy and it has a, like a huge arc doesn't mean that it's inaccurate like it was super accurate yeah i could you know i could put an amazing group together at like 70 80 yards uh but 
it just was, you know, shooting like 20 feet off the ground to like get there. But anyway, uh, going, <laughs> on, going on a tangent here. Um, but yeah, I think most people like that are shooting these long distances, like they still aren't going to shoot like very far at an animal, you know. And I used to try really hard to set myself up in a way where I could shoot like 40 yards, like, you know, basically like try and find a tree where I had the most game trails inside of 40 yards and I stopped doing it. Like last year I was just like, screw it. I'm going to pick like the main trail that I think they're going to be on 15, 20 yards and really focus on that. And it's kind of worked out for me because they came in at those distances, which is great because, uh, I honestly don't know if I'd be able to keep it together if they come in at a longer distance. I just become such a nervous wreck when there's a deer standing in front of me. I like when they're at 10 yards. That's when I'm like, holy crap, I did something right. Well, yeah, I Which that, I do that continually. I killed but, that one at seven last year. Yeah, that's that's what I want to do. I want to shoot one like my dad did with the stick, but like 10 yards or eight yards or something yeah. stupid like that. I basically just shot like almost straight down when I shot that buck last year. That's why you practice weird ass angles. Yeah. Speaking of which, you didn't actually shoot the tournament this weekend, but uh-uh. we just finished our um, our Saddle Hunter 3D archery tournament. And um, it was a lot of fun, but I think a lot of people were pretty surprised that like a lot of the shots that we set up were like pretty close. And uh, I think the ones that really threw people off were actually the shots that were like inside of 10 yards. Because nobody practices that. Exactly. Typically. But you know what? Like, it's only a matter of time that a deer is going to walk in at that distance. Like, it's going to catch you off guard. You're just going to be like messing around on your phone. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, there's a deer right there. And then you won't be able to get drawn and ready to shoot until it's like five yards away from you. Well, that's like the one I did shoot, but I messed up a 10 yard shot with a gun because it was just right there. Yeah, I, I've I, actually I, done I that. I don't know if there's like an excuse for that. <clears throat> I've done it a couple times. With a I, gun? I did it in Ohio, uh, I don't know, like God. four or five years ago. It was the first year we bought that. I had to rethink this whole you being on our team. Hey man, I've smoked some crazy shots, okay? But it's like the easy ones I mess up on. But anyways, I'm, in a, in a climber years ago look left sitting in a drainage look right look left look right look left there's a freaking basket rack eight point like 30 I think it was like 38 yards I don't know where the bullet went but it didn't hit him what a, what a shooting rest <laughs> that's impressive honestly yeah. I mean but then the end of the week I drill a doe running full speed on a deer drive at 100 yards right in the vitals I think that's called luck. Oh, yeah, but I'll take luck over no deer, so. <laughs> True. It's still meat in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of, you know, I just lost it. I was thinking of, like, stupid shots. Oh, I, just, I there was a doe that I killed, like, several years ago. Same kind of thing. Like, even though I knew this deer was coming, it was coming, like, out of the palmettos, and it was so thick that, like, I couldn't see it, but I heard something crunching towards me. By the time I was able to actually see it and shoot it, it was like inside of 10 yards. And it popped out of those palmettos and just looked straight at me. <laughs> and I was like, shit. <laughs> this was back in the day before I learned to like get high up in a tree. And I was like 
maybe 15 feet off the ground tops like 15 tw- 12 feet? 15 feet that's sky high <clears throat> for you maybe man eight feet's all you need yeah when you're hunting in shrubs oh, i'd do that anywhere i was hunting I eight, just, eight I, feet off the ground in ohio but i was hunting the thicket i don't know how you do it to be honest because like for me it's always the problem is that i um like i need to mess around with my camera and stuff so I like to be, first of all, I like to be high enough that they're not going to look up. And second, I like to be uh, high enough that I'm going to see them coming from a ways away. Well, I mean, we're a lot of stuff that I hunt, you just, like, even down here, like, even in a cypress swamp, like, if you're on a cypress edge, a lot of the times you can't really get that high because branches or, well, now with I don't know. The satellite, I guess, you can pretty much get anywhere you want, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just like hunting with like a lot of cover around me because I can get away with like if you have cover, you don't need to be sky high. For yeah, I me. guess I guess that's true. Like, that's part of the reason that me and Danny like to hunt so high up in the pine trees is because yeah, it's open. We usually don't have any cover. Yeah. So like, if you're if you're hunting 15 feet up on a 45 foot pine tree, it's like 45 feet to the first yeah. branch. You know, like you look like. You look ridiculous. But deer ain't looking sh- that high. Exactly. And if you're not moving, they're not going to see you from that di- from a distance either. Even if you are moving, like I've found, if I'm 30 feet up in the tree, 25 to 30 feet, like I could I could be doing dances up there, and yeah. like they won't see me. And in fact, the uh, the video, you know, where the, the one where I scoped myself, like that was a while ago. No, that was this past season. It was the last buck I killed with the muzzleloader. Which buck was that? little six point well six five where was that at (laughs) (laughs) this is in the woods not the grass it was in the the woods um no but during that hunt i was like 30 feet up in the air and i was actually like on top of uh a palm uh, like a palm tree like a cabbage palm pretty tall cabbage palm like i was on a pine tree but my platform, like it was right next to a palm tree. So like my platform was literally right on top of the palm tree, which was awesome because like anytime like a deer was walking underneath me, like I just had, you know, the palm was like waving around underneath me. So I had all that movement. And noise if you clack anything. Yeah, it was great. Like it made so much noise. So like they couldn't hear anything I did, but I was up there like, you know, like not even trying to be subtle, just like waving my hands around, grabbing my camera, getting my gun ready, you know, spinning around in my saddle because I had to like put my back to the tree to, to shoot, you know? And like, they don't look that high. And the, the doe like kept hearing stuff. She'd like, be like, what the hell was that? Look around and then she'd keep walking because she, she never looked up. Like she could hear me, but just never looked up. She could even smell me. She never looked up and she never figured it out. She was also pretty dumb. I'll give her a yearling. Yeah, no, she was probably like a year and a half old, you know, like, but. The um, best eaten. (laughs) Yeah, they sure are tasty. I passed two does on that hunt. You know, it was actually um, kind of a, kind of a big deal for me because, uh, you know, like people, people think that I've been hunting a really long time because like I run a YouTube channel. It's about hunting. Like I'm supposed to be like super experienced, but like. (laughs) People that like actually follow, like they know that I'm not that, like I haven't been hunting that long. It's like, I think my seventh year or something. I guess it's a fair amount of time, but. Rookie. Yeah. Like, I mean, by comparison, like you've been hunting since you were like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, you said. Oh, but yeah, I've been killing shit for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, that hunt was like I think one of the first times that I let legal like deer walk by me twice. Like I let two does go. I could have killed both of them. And they were at 10 yards and I just let them walk. And honestly, it was kind of like a really nice feeling. Like I didn't expect, I didn't expect it to like have that impact, but I find myself this year now being like, I don't know if I want to kill does anymore. Well, there's a benefit to it. Like I'm kicking myself in the ass because I could have put a bunch of meat in the fridge. I was literally just thinking in my head how I passed on 10 does last year that I could have shot legally and like didn't shoot one. But years prior, I've passed on Lee, like a, like my nine point. Yeah. That's the only reason I shot him was because I passed on a six point prior, you know, yeah. 10 minutes behind him. Hot doe, six point, 10, 20 minutes later, nine point. Yeah. I mean, the other buck well, that the I thing killed, is, when it, the Ohio buck, same thing. I passed on like four basket well, racks. The chances are pretty high that if you have a hot doe come through, that there's going to be more than one buck yeah. on her tail, you know. I guess and it comes so, down to timing of the year. Yeah. Rut, you have a chance again, of something I've, else coming. I've also had it happen where I had a hot doe come through with a buck on her ass, and then, like, that was it. No other bucks. But yeah. a lot of times, there'd be more than one buck following, even if it's a little bit later. Or if it's a big buck on her, the, follow, the buck that might come after that's going to be a satellite buck, a little smaller. Yeah. Because it's, you know, scared of the big buck. Yeah. So. I mean, it could happen the other way around, too, though, because you could have, like, a small buck come through. And then, like, a bigger buck yeah. that just, like, hasn't decided what it wants to do yet. Or he's older and smarter and knows she's not ready to yeah. accept, so she's just going to keep running off. Yeah. There's staying, a lot staying, of factors, staying close, man. Staying close to, to her is probably just likely to get you killed anyway. But but anyway, yeah. like, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, like, this year, I'm not saying I'm not going to kill a doe. Don't get me wrong. Like, oh, I'm definitely I will, killing does. I will kill a doe, like... <laughs> At the end of the day, like I say this all the time, the most important thing for me is putting meat in the freezer because I don't buy meat. Like I don't go Try to the grocery not store. To. I don't buy meat in the grocery store. Like just it's just something I've kind of like become proud of and like I, I just don't really like to support the meat industry. So first things first, meat's gotta get in the freezer. So if the first legal thing I see is a dough, I'm gonna smoke it. But that said, <clears throat> once I have meat in the freezer, there's a pretty good chance I won't shoot another doe. Now, uh, somebody's going to call me out on this when I end up <laughs> shooting two does. But, like, um, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, like, I, I've reached, like, a point in my hunting career right now where I, I actually am thinking more about, like, the impact that killing it has on, like, the population and, and the ecosystem than you know, just wanting to kill it. Like, it's not just about killing stuff anymore. No. So it's kind of kind of exciting. I'm like becoming a, becoming a big boy now. That's something that's like, when I tell people I pass on a lot of stuff, they're like surprised because I'm not that old, but I like not, I'm not like bragging, How but I'm like you? 25. Oh, like but like I've, I've killed enough stuff that it's like, it's not about to kill. It hasn't been about to kill for a long time. Like, like yeah. I'd say like, I don't know. I killed a lot of does and stuff back when I was younger, gun hunting in Ohio. So I think that got that out of me. 
I mean, it's different with a bow, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've actually never killed the doe with my bow. Really? <laughs> oh, dude. I've never, like, I mean, I've drove, drawn back on a bunch of them, and it's like the one that I was going to – I was going to freaking drill her in Ohio this year because it would have been a ground kill filmed, you know, on – you know, just first bow kill – or first doe with a bow on the ground filming it. And I just – Butch that one. If I was in the tree, I just was got lazy and was like, ah, I don't need to bring my saddle in and climb the tree. Well, if I was in the in a tree that I was like, I probably could get in that one the day before I climbed up it. Yeah, would have smoked her ten yards. Yeah, but and then all so the I, other ones that I didn't want to shoot, I could have smoked them easily as hell, drawn back on them and just put in the pen like, oh, you're dead. Yeah, should have shot one. Yeah, I know. You would have had more meat. I would have had any meat. Any meat. <laughs> Killed plenty of hogs. Um, yeah, you were putting a hurting on the hogs. Like, yeah, I think once I, once you realized you couldn't kill any deer, I waited until small game. Yeah, had plenty of did, did a the first through and through ear hole shot with a muzzleloader this year. Oh really? No bullet hole, just went right through his ear holes, ex, entrance and exit. It was like, yeah, I showed you that picture. Oh, literally through I don't the ear canal. Ninety came percent out. of the things that you show me. Ninety percent of the time, I don't know what the I'm talking about. That's accurate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like with with a gun, like to me, like I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like hunting with a gun. Like on the one hand, like I like it because your chances of getting meat just went up significantly. If you're in an area like I don't necessarily think that because you can't shoot does with a gun in most of the places. That's like ninety percent of the places okay. in Florida. Your chances of getting a buck, like okay, let's let's ignore let's ignore <laughs> does for a second. Let's ignore does for a second. But like your chances of actually, if you see a deer, being able to kill it and put it in the freezer, when you have a gun, significantly higher. Like you can't argue that. Me personally, I've only put the crosshair in Florida. I've only put the crosshairs on like two bucks. Would it, well, I guess okay, muzzle. I'm thinking rifle, but yeah, muzzle. This is not the point I'm trying something. to make. Yeah, no, you have a higher chance if you if you get eyes on something, you have a way higher chance of yeah. So like for that back. reason, I like hunting with a gun, but at the same time, like hunting with a gun, like just does not have the same effect for me. Like when I kill something with a gun, I'm just like, all right, it's time to take it back to the truck. You know, like it's not. It's like when I shoot them with a bow, I'm just like losing my mind my adrenaline's through the roof you know and so with that said like even when i shoot a doe with my bow i still get really excited oh yeah I but i mean my... <laughs> you pretty much you pretty much can't shoot does with a gun in florida except for like private land uh, like a very few management areas i think yeah i don't think there's any i don't know panhandle maybe maybe but anyway we don't um, get that that luxury down here <laughs> but yeah like you know on private land you can shoot them with a with a gun and like it's it's strictly just me if you yeah. do and and yeah like i said like there's there's still excitement in it for me to do it with a bow so if it's early season and a doe comes out and i i need to fill the freezer like i'm gonna shoot her but if i'm holding a gun and i have an opportunity to kill a doe and it's legal i just don't know if i'm gonna do it anymore I mean, if we're I talking, say that now, but like, watch, I'm going to do it this season. <laughs> I don't think I, I mean, I haven't even, I don't think I've killed a doe in 
quite a few years now because we used to go up to Ohio for gun season every year and I'd smoke does up there. Yeah, you probably should have last year. You would have had meat in your freezer. You know, how many times are we going to be on that? I'm just saying. <laughs> Everybody. You, you know, know it's just like a, there's a lesson to be learned there. I, look, you know? okay. And there's also a lesson to be learned of maybe I just had so many opportunities. I was like, ah. Oh, I'm going to get another one. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But it I mean, the, the lesson here is, and I think you learned it, uh, you get an opportunity, you take it, I mean, because you got to get meat in the freezer. If you're not getting meat in the freezer, you're not it's, even hunting. Yeah, but at the yeah. same time, I can still look at it and be like, damn, dude, I'm pretty good. I got all these opportunities. And nothing to show for it. I got footage. I haven't seen that. Yeah, because it's sitting on a freaking laptop. <laughs> um, are you going up to Ohio this year? Is a frog's ass watertight? No, it's not. It should be. And yes, <laughs> it will be. Up in in fact, I don't even think their skin's watertight. It just lets water go in and out. I don't think that's actually accurate. Somebody's going to be like, that's not true, Mark. Sticking of a shark pissing through his skin. No, that's. No. No. Whatever. I'm not a. Pissing through his skin. Whatever. I don't know. Lemon sharks, whatever it is. They, <laughs> It's not, not really how it works. Um, so you're going to Ohio. When do you go? You go round road, right? Like November? Yeah, first week of November. I mean, they, I actually, the biggest buck I've shot in my life was that, like, how it was almost, I think it was Halloween. It was like end of October because they're the two years ago, that one? No, the one that I never, we, I didn't, that's why I was shooting my old bow, lower poundage, uh, you know, not as good of an arrow, but didn't get a pass through on them. But I mean, freaking 14 yard shot, very giant, like six foot body, seven foot body, just absolute monster. Came in, hit every scrape on his way. I watched him 100 yards, just smashing stuff. But that was end of October, hitting them, you know, to just doing their routes, hitting their scrape lines and road yeah. lines. That was still one of the coolest things. I drilled him double shoulder, no pass through. Damn. Tracked into the bottom of the hollow, threw nasty blowdowns down a waterfall, freaking drips of blood, and then it just stopped them. I mean, we tracked them till like two in the morning and just couldn't find anything. I think yeah. I seen them at the end of the week in the field. At you didn't night. get a dog on him? No, because where he ended up is on some private, mm. and them them local boys don't like the out of towners up there. Did you ask for permission? No, because we know these people. Oh, I got you. Yeah, years of history. Gotcha. Um, Florida boys. <laughs> yeah, so, and then, um, so you're doing Ohio. I'm still thinking about doing Kentucky. Like, I'm going to do Ohio. I'm probably going to do Georgia as well. I mean, I would come to Ohio with you, but your dad said we're not allowed to hunt in your spot. Hell no. Not I, just a, need, I just need a place to sleep. I'll that's find my fun. own spot. It's like it's a it's a shed with a wood stove. You're that, welcome to stay. That works. Just, um, dude, it's a blast. I mean, honestly, what I'm what I'm thinking about doing, like I was talking to Danny about this the other day, and like, and he was like, "That sucks. That sounds like it's gonna be terrible. You shouldn't what? do that." Like I was just like, you know, because Danny likes to go on like when we go hunting out of state. And don't get me wrong, I like doing this too. I, I like to do the luxury life. Like I like to get an airbnb like this is my vacation you know like it's not just hunting it's, it's also like i'm taking time off work so i want to be able to sleep good i want to be able to take a shower and relax and like be able to cook dinner and, and whatnot like dude that definitely it dude. has 
it has its value, you know, like, but, <laughs> but at the same time, like, that's not all it's about for me, you know, like, uh, like a part of me is like, yeah, I love doing that, getting the Airbnb and, and, you know, being comfortable. But when I went elk hunting last year with, with John, I kind of loved straight like grind. Just it, w- it wasn't even just that it was a straight grind. Like we had the right gear, you know, we spent the money, got the right gear. And if you have the right gear, like you can be surprisingly comfortable even in an uncomfortable situation. And so if you really think about like your approach to like an adventure and come prepared, like it can be pretty chill. So like, I'm actually thinking about just taking my truck by myself or you may join me or something like one person can join me and basically just like loading my stuff up in the truck. Cause you know, hunting with a saddle, like your stuff doesn't take up any space. No, not at all. Like that's I, a benefit. I can throw like, you know, like a Rubbermaid in the bed of my truck's got all my hunting gear ready to go. And, um, you know, get one of those blow up mattresses that goes in the back of my cab. Like, you know, you know the ones I'm talking about. It's yeah. like, it's like the whole back area of your, your cab, like turns into a bed. fills up. So it makes it, gives you the support where the seat's yeah. not. Yeah. They're great, but you gotta like, be kind of a short person for that. I can't fit lengthwise in my truck and I'm not a tall person. Uh, I'll, I'll make it work. You know, like, Sideways. I mean, take the passenger think about seat this. out. If you if you go in a hammock, you're also going to be bent. Yeah. You know? Some people can sleep like that. I cannot. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd rather sleep in one of those little mattresses in the back of my truck. So I'm saying. Yeah. But you know, like bring a little shower situation. You know, granted, it is going to be cold. It's going to be like November. So like. Still feels better to take a shower, man. Well, yeah, but there's uh, also a way to make that a warm shower. Like I have one of these little pop up shower tents, so you set that up so you get out of the wind. You know? All these luxuries, man. Yeah. Well, it's going to be... It's November. It could be cold, you know? Yeah. Cannonball through the ice should be all right. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, like I have one of these little shower situations. I'll bring that with me, you know, and, um, you know, I've got my jet boil so I can, like, eat mountain house meals and stuff. Like, I can keep it pretty pretty streamlined. And, and the really nice thing is if you're sleeping in your truck like that, is that you can basically just pull up to wherever you're going in the woods and sleep an extra hour. That's exactly why I bought a camper top. Yeah. Because you can just anywhere, you don't need like. Well, I used to have a camper top and I, I did it one time. I, yeah. I hunted uh, a WMA in zone B, like late season one time. I went by myself and I just set up a cot in the back. and Yeah. It was great, honestly. Like I, I enjoyed it, um, but now I don't have a camper top. So I'm trying to think of a way to do this without getting a camper top and that old mattress situation I think is like the perfect option that's the thing with Florida like I got that camper topper and I cannot sleep and sweat so yeah you, you like there's this very it's South Florida you're not sleeping in your truck even in general gun yeah. you're still sweating see I'm not really worried about that if I'm going to go up north to like Kentucky no, just it's going to be November it's going to be cold yeah but again I got really good gear for the elk hunting so i have the right sleeping bag and everything to be comfortable sleeping in my truck yeah even when it's cold as shit outside so like i I think i'm gonna do it because all i gotta spend then is gas money it's probably gonna cost me like 100 bucks each way and then you think oh hell yeah dude i don't know what gas i think it was 600 for me to go to ohio back yeah dude that's 
Damn. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> it ain't fuel ain't cheap, man. Whatever. It's gonna take Shit. you probably three tanks up, three tanks back. It might be cheaper to fly. Yeah, I mean, for now, I regret putting the bigger tires on my truck because that doubled the gas price. But well, like, but, but I mean, the, the flying thing—that's kind of what me and Danny have done a couple times. Like, we'll basically like when we did Wisconsin, we flew, we flew up, you know, and we found some cheap tickets that were like three hundred something bucks a piece. Yeah, we flew, uh, we flew up there a month in advance, like scouted, put up game cameras, and then uh, went home, and then on like for the actual hunt we did a one-way ticket flew up there and then rented a minivan when we got there and man minivans are pretty awesome to hunt out of like it's like they've got some zoom to them i don't don't care about that but just comfy they're comfortable and there's like a lot of space so yeah well it's a van (laughs) we've really liked having minivans and then we um we drove home you know and, and granted most people don't have the you know the ability to uh, to get the good deals but um if you become like a member you know those like rental car companies have like some of those like elite memberships enterprise yeah well there's a few of them yeah if you become one of those elite member things like then a lot of them offer a um like no charge on like dropping a car off in a different location than where you rented it from yeah that, that would be sweet and that that's like what did it for us is so like you deal with the hi this is enterprise we just had some questions about the large red stain in the back cargo area uh yeah actually <laughs> <laughs> did we tell you about what happened with uh with the kentucky situation like a couple years back no so me and Danny, I don't know if I've told this story before. I apologize to all the <laughs> listeners if I've told this story before. But so this is why we we call it the mommy wagon of death. And like every every time that we go hunt like a new state and we fly up there, we like rent a minivan and we're like eventually going to put together like a special edition like t-shirt that's gonna you know how like bands have like the tour dates Mm -hmm. on the back of the shirt we're gonna have like the tour dates of like all the states we went to that the mommy wagon of death has like appeared in but the way this started was in kentucky (laughs) yeah i think it's genius you would buy that shirt hell yeah yeah um maybe i should actually make it i don't know like right now we can only put like two states on it three georgia Kentucky, Wisconsin, we Ohio. Haven't done, we haven't done Georgia. I've done Georgia. Does Kentucky, it have to be a state you killed in? No, but did you get a minivan in those states? Dude, I am a minivan. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we're in Kentucky, and we had this whole plan. Like, we flew up there. We got the minivan. Like, everything was good. And we're like, well, let's just go out there. We got to check cameras because we had put cameras out a month before. And we're like, we'll check the cameras and then we'll just hunt the afternoon just to kind of get like an idea of um, of like what we're doing. I think those are the dogs getting pissed off that they've been locked in a room for like an hour and a half. Actually, it's only been 43 minutes. Um, but anyway, we're like, yeah, let's just go hunt, whatever. So I just pick a spot on the map. Danny picks a spot on the map. And I just like go out there. I get up a tree. And I'm like, all right, this will do. And then a doe walks out and I smoke her. And this is like the biggest doe I've ever seen in my life. This doe was like 180 to 200 pounds. It was giant. We get this thing back to the, to the minivan. And like our plan was like, 
to be able to haul a deer out in the minivan, we were going to get like, like a big Tupperware or a big cooler or something. So we could just like lay the deer inside of it. Or at the very least, we were going to have tarps. So we could like lay tarps down in the back of the minivan so we could lay the deer on top of it so that any blood that did come out of them would like yes. pull up. Well, here we were, middle of the week, middle of nowhere with a dead deer. And it took forever to get this thing back to the truck because they don't allow bikes. And we didn't have, or we did have a, um, a game card, but it just took forever to get it back to the car. So here we are, we're like, all right, we got this thing here. Let's find a Walmart so we can go buy a tarp or something. Shower curtain. <laughs> First of all, the closest Walmart is like 45 minutes away <laughs> and everything's closed at nine o'clock and it's already 9.30. So like, we don't even know where the hell we're gonna get ice from. We have no cooler, we have nothing. And it's still hot out. Like it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't like up north where it's cold and you can hang the deer up. Um, yeah, go ahead and serve yourselves, man. Gotta ask, man. No, mind. It is on the table so you can enjoy it. Drink it all. Um, anyway, so so we're like trying to figure out where the hell we're gonna get um ice and a cooler and all that stuff so we come up with this idea we're like all right well let's just put this deer into the minivan uh, and we'll just like make sure that the body cavity is angled in such a way that like the blood isn't pouring out of you know the hole that we cut in it to gut it as well as the holes that i shot into it <laughs> this did not work at all so there's a in fact i'm gonna make it the picture for this like the the cover picture for this this episode the is thumbnail. gonna be this pic yeah the thumbnail is gonna be a picture of this deer in the back of this minivan because it's hilarious and um <clears throat> anyway it leaked needless to say it leaked expectedly we, we drove back to the airbnb and there we had to figure out what the hell we were going to do with this deer so we ended up like uh we, we did find ice at a gas station. We ended up making a cooler out of firewood. Huh? We like literally laid the deer down on the driveway and then surrounded it with ice with firewood and then just poured ice over the top of it and then covered it with all of the cars um, like rugs, like the little car carpet thingies. And that's how we created a cooler and it freaking worked. This is like meth head MacGyver cooler. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, it worked. We woke up in the morning, the ice was still there. It was nice and cold. And then we went to Walmart and we managed to get, you know, everything that we needed. Why does this deer taste funky? No, that deer was delicious. Man. I, I don't remember why I told this story. Oh, okay, I remember. So anyway, um, after that, the deer had leaked into the car. So you know how those minivans are? Like they have the seats that like pop up out. Yeah. And then you can fold them down into the floor. The whole seat goes down to the floor. So when that blood leaked out, it leaked down into the, into the seats, oh. like into the cushions of the seats. <laughs> and so we kind of cleaned it up. We were like, all right, whatever, let's go hunt. It was fine. About two days in, it started smelling. Oh, and, I bet. And we were basically not able to drive with the windows closed, like, for the rest of the trip. Because it just smelled like death. That, Soured. That blood. is why it's the mommy wagon of death. And then when we got home, we just, like, opened, pulled all the seats out, did our very best to clean it. 
sprayed some Febreze in there and just drove it in to National and dropped it off. And like, didn't talk to anybody, just dropped it off because I was part of the Emerald Club. And I, so I just like dropped it in the, <laughs> the drop off aisle and just got the hell out of there. And we never heard anything about it. But um, so that's how the Mommy Wagon of Death was born. Just a little heads up to anybody who ever gets a nasty, rotten smell or like <laughs> if you're a Florida boy and you tend to get swamp ass smell in your truck and it gets, if you ever get sink your, your truck. In your truck? What are you doing in your truck that you're getting swamp ass getting in Getting in my truck being completely soaked from a thunderstorm oh or something and your seat that's foam gets nasty. Okay. The little trick that I've always done is you just take like a, a wide mouth bowl or a Tupperware or something, fill it with white vinegar and just leave it in there during the hot sun. And that vinegar smell just kills everything. Then your whole car smells like vinegar. It, it yeah, for so it depends on how long you leave it, but that vinegar goes away after some time. So it just like eats away the, the yeah. odor. You can also do uh, coffee. Yeah, but I don't you think it like, kills the smell. No, you can get, but it like absorbs. Yeah. You can like put coffee grounds like do on both. the seat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Coffee grounds, vinegar. Like, oh, I've actually heard a similar thing. If you take a newspaper and soak it in vinegar and then just set that there and then yeah. it'll dry out. It's the same thing. Yeah, I've done it. Basically evaporates. Or when whatever. I sank my truck at our management area, just back when I was playing, they got some mildew and mold. Don't put six inches of water in your truck. That's a better way. But yeah, I used the vinegar trick and after like two days of it soaking, it just smelled fine. It reminds me of the time me and Danny were going through a really deep hole in a, a nearby WMA here. And I said, Danny, can you drive me to the other side of this pond? And he said, sure. And I was like, if you go on the edge of the trail, stay on the left it's side. It's not that deep. <laughs> like I just walked through it. It was only knee deep. Your truck, your Jeep will make it through there. No problem. And he was like, no, no, no. I've been through this before. <laughs> Drives straight through the middle of it, sinks it to the windows. <laughs> and um, we lost a lot of gear that day. Yeah, it was not fun. Gookin Squad. Yeah. You know, we've learned a couple things since then. Speaking of learning stuff, I didn't learn crap last year. I learned a lot from your mistakes. Well, so you other, probably than my pass, other than like the the not shooting what I had ample opportunities to put meat in the freezer, as far as like what did you what did you learn from last year on not killing a buck? Absolutely diddly. Because I, like, I did, it's not even that I wasn't like I was screwing right. up opportunities. It was well, just in like, that case, I'm going to take this opportunity to teach you oh, lessons God. based on your own mistakes. The one we just talked about is obvious. Shoot the first thing that. Yeah, what it means shoot. But was doing something wrong to not get buck opportunities. It was like I was every like they would be there when I wasn't there. Right, but but is it really an opportunity if you're not able to take it? Well, I'm saying like I just like never. If, it, if they came in too fast, or if they came in too far, is it really an opportunity? No, and I didn't. Or even did have, you just see them? I like opening day. I had the one good one, but that was like for somebody who had a bow capable of that and shooting that distance. It was 55 yards. I, I mean, he was standing there with a doe. You could have launched at him if you if you were practiced that. 55 yards, it's doable for a lot yeah, of people. But I, I mean, Not I for would, me. No, I but, advise it, but. But I'm saying like that. And then other than that, it was like put a camera in there, set up on that camera, had traffic. And then once I actually was able to start hunting it, 
It was like, okay, doe, doe, four point, spike. I was like, the one good buck that I had come by, just I, I was the zig and he was on the zag and he just walked down where I was not expecting him to come and he just went through the right to the thick stuff right. behind me. So it's but, like, but I still think there's things you can learn from that. Like, like, do you think there's any way that you could have set up differently that would have like benefited you to, I mean, to the point where you would have been able to do something? There was no reason for me to, as far as like I, I could tell, there was no reason for me to move different trees because all the traffic that I was seeing, not even just on camera, just like with my own two eyes, were right there where I was set up on. Like yeah. doe after doe after doe after spike after little buck, you know, just like stuff like that. It's like, well, if everything's moving right here, why are you going to move? Yeah. And then even when I did move, I that was in the video where we can make a, a funny clip out of it. It was like I moved 100 yards to a even different pinch point and had does come by. And I could have smoked them, but it's like, of course you can't have a buck following well, you like, now. I, um, well, it's funny because I actually shot a doe that had a buck hot on her ass. I, sh- I should have hunted it during gun season. You should have. But I was doing, what the hell was I doing? Where did I go? Mm-hmm. Oh, I moved. I followed. I just went up the state and hunted archery because I was trying to follow the rut. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, we do that a lot. But, yeah. But like, so so what I mean by like, is there any way you could have set up differently that would have done you better? Like, and I'll give an example of that. So like, there was a hog that I killed. Um, actually twice this has happened now where I've killed hogs. And because of how close I was to the trail that they were on, just like couldn't get a good angle and ended up having to like spine them. Um, one of them in particular like I I was set up like on a tree that was like right next to the trail like if they came down that trail they were going to walk straight to me vertical shot and as much as like I was like oh whatever like once it gets close like once it gets that close like I'll shoot it that might be true but at the same time if you're set up in a way where that trail is coming right to your tree it basically means that when you get that first opportunity, they're walking straight at you. Yeah. And gives so you a like, bad shot angle. Yeah, it gives you a terrible shot angle. So like, uh, I kind of learned from that because it came towards me, and basically the only chance, the only opportunity I had was to basically put the arrow straight between the shoulder blades. And I just drilled it right in the spine and dropped it right there, and then it crawled into the bushes. It wasn't quite dead yet, and I had to like sling and I had to just like wait for it to come out of the bushes so that I could you know finish it off um, and that always sucks and, oh, then, yeah. and then I had the same thing happen um, on another hog last year where again like I was I, I was a little further from the trail this time I was maybe like five or six yards from the trail um, and I ended up uh, actually it was like 10 yards it was like 10 but even still like as high up as I was that 10 yards made that angle so tight it was like basically impossible to double lung them without hitting the spine drill them in the spine and run they like crawl back into the bushes and i just emptied my quiver trying to finish it off and finally got it on like i think the third arrow or something you know i don't uh, shoot hogs with my bow i mean i you know i i'm gonna keep doing it until i get a perfect kill i just it's like i, I still enough. haven't killed a hog with my bow where it's just like a perfect pass through and it just like ran and dropped. I've shot three of them. Yeah, I think I've sh- never found them. <laughs> and I mean, I'm thought I put like the one was a screwed up one. I hit him in the head. He turned at the last second. 
they, they do that. They they'll wheel and peel on you. But the other two was like, ten ring, not a speck of blood. It's like, ah, you bastards. Kind of makes me wonder if it really was a ten ring. I mean, it's kind of hard <laughs> to track anything in freaking just over the knee water. Yeah. So but, he was dead. He was ten dead in ten yards. He was underwater. <laughs> but um, you know, back back to this lesson in in those particular cases, like I wish I could have set up further away from the trail. But that said, I set up on the trees that I set up on because in the first one, it was the only damn tree in the area that like was going to give me like a view of or like a range to shoot the main trails that were coming through there. So I had to choose that one. And the other one, um, all the other trees were just like really dinky little trees. And so, um, but that said, with the lessons I've learned from that, like, I think I would keep looking for a different spot where I could get a tree that's like maybe 15, 20 yards away from the trail that I think I'm gonna shoot them on. So with that said, was there trees in the places where you were hunting that you could have set up on that would have gave you better opportunities? Well, it wasn't It wasn't the shot opportunity that I wasn't getting. It was just like, now that I'm thinking about it, actually what I should have done is, I wasn't in there when I should have been as far as like peak activity. I wasn't using cell cameras mm-hmm. and I didn't know, like, you know, you go a half mile to a mile away and the, you'll have peak activity because of a hot doe and does will come down to the you know almost the same day they'll pop into estrus if they're alive i wasn't in there during peak activity and now i'm thinking about it i was hunting that place based off the the trail cam data from a week and a half prior when there was a hot doe in there and all the yeah. bucks were in there or maybe there was a couple hot does and i was like staying in the same spot instead of going and looking for fresher scrapes fresher rubs you know, now we're so, yeah, about so yeah, I did, I did. But at the time I was like, you know, I'm an experienced hunter, but like, there's still a lot to learn. Dude, there's always, it's like. But like, now I'm like, man, but one thing that's for damn sure, when that date, date comes around that they were running through there like crazy last year, work and kiss my butt, cause yeah, I'm gonna be in there. Wasn't that also before season opened? Nope. It wasn't? Nope. Cause so and I should the day that I so shot you, my you buck. just you just mentioned two things that like I want to touch on, the first being that um, I can't remember the first, but the second is <laughs> the second is I was actually just talking to Danny about this the other day. So this this whole theory, and and I don't know if I have enough evidence to support this a hundred percent, but the idea that a doe will go into estrus at the same time every year and I've, I've heard this said so and this is like another reason why i'm thinking about not killing does as much because if i know a certain spot that i hunt that's usually quite productive has a doe in there that's hot during whatever week of october September or whatever July like whatever (laughs) you know whatever weeks it is that they tend to go into heat if you don't kill her and she likes that area Mm -hmm. chances are really good next year that the next year bucks are going to be back in there no for the same dough and so and I don't have enough like data to back this up but I have read some studies that suggest that this is the case in northern deer 
Now, again, everything in Florida is a little weird, so we don't know that the same thing applies here. My pictures down south show it. I've got last year's data and so far this year's data. It's like yeah, this like the freaking the twenty fifth to the fifth. I've got a metric ton of deer, and then there's a lull, and then ten days later, it's like another doe had popped into heat, and it's a bunch of bucks running around through that spot. It's like, and I looked at my pictures from last year, and it's literally that that. 10 to 7 day 10 to 5 day gap then a few days of no activity and then more activity it's like hmm well and I've seen something kind of similar at one of the spots that I like to hunt where so like this this has been my experience with that it used to be at this spot early season there would be um, there would be a lot of activity there'd be a hot doe in there bucks all over the place killed a couple bucks in there killed a doe in there and then all of a sudden I stopped having the same success that I had at that spot and instead when I leave my camera sitting there I would end up seeing a sudden resurgence of activity early October around muzzleloader season and I think that now in that spot the doe that's sort of the resident there goes into heat that first week of October I don't know this for sure but it's kind of a theory that I'm working on and I want to kind of investigate that a little bit more. But I think if I stop killing does and try to sort of pattern out when the does are going into heat, I think there's like, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that there's something there. I wonder, cause like I've got so many people that tell me, oh, the rut at this place is during the first week of muzzleloader. And based off of my camera stuff, it's like, no, archery is like, way peak rut like from what i've yeah. seen you leave a camera in there and it's like maybe it's just i don't know if florida's just that spread out it's if it is it's that's like you can't explain well, that to anybody from other states it's like oh yeah our rut's like two months long like, well we, we know that like in florida the rut is not like like it is up north where it's like everybody goes into heat at the same exact time right we know that but what we what we don't know is how much variability there is in when does go into heat, right? When they go into estrus. Now it's entirely possible that one of the spots you're hunting, does are going into estrus like a certain week that you've noticed. And then some other guy that's hunting like a mile away or something or less than that probably, cause it's Florida. <laughs> they're going into estrus like, you know, a month later. That's, that's totally, crazy. totally possible. Well, yeah. But what I, what I challenge you to think about, and I kind of challenge all the listeners too, if they've noticed this is like, is that pattern prevalent? Like, do you notice that the same spots have rut activity at the same times every year? And if so, then that indicates that the deer, that the does are going into heat at the same time. And if that is true, then that's a really strong argument for not killing does because then your spots become way more predictable because you know which doe is going to be there and when she's going to be going into estrus, if that makes sense. The other thing that I'm always curious about is like, what, like, what are photo period is what's supposed to set off the rut? Up north. Yeah. Not what here. down here? What, what exactly is it down here? I'm, so I've talked especially to especially like down as far south as you can go, like the super just 
wettest crap there is. I've talked to a couple biologists about this and I don't think they have like a consensus on it yet, but one of the like dominant theories is that it has a lot more to do with um, uh, with the hydro period. Yeah, that's what, I, period, that's what, that's what makes period. sense. Because if you think about it, like up north, the photo period makes a lot of sense because it is so consistent. Yeah. Because they know that when a photo period gets to this time, like where the days start getting really short, that's the time to go, like to get pregos. Yeah. Because by the time they drop their fawns, it's going to be prime springtime. There's going to be lots of food. There's going to be lots of bedding. There's going to be everything that a fawn needs. But here in Florida, that's not the case. We don't want to drop their fawns at the we, driest time of the year. We have green stuff everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always stuff to eat year round. So their their highest chance of survival is going to base be based on like having enough, you know, dry ground, dry ground for the for the the fawns to sort of make it through without getting eaten by an alligator or but drowning. There's that, but like something that's also weird is like you'll have a like a doe coming to heat, like the end of gun season down in that happens. stuff. And it's like, holy crap. Yeah, it definitely happens. I don't really know how to explain that. But just keeping, keeping a little bit of the same subject. With but, but I also run, I wonder if like, I mean, if thinking about this from like an ecological perspective, like the natural like forces that are like making does go into estrus at the exact same time, like across the entire Midwest are so much stronger than the forces here. Like how important is it that you have a fawn when everything's dry? It's not as important as up North that you have a fawn when it's not freezing cold and that there's food. If if you drop a fawn too early up North and there's no food and it's cold, it's going to die. If you drop it too late, then it's not going to, you know, it's not going to end up having enough food to sort of make it to its first, like, it's not going to be able to build up enough fat stores before the first winter. You know, so there's like a perfect time to drop a fawn up yeah. there. Here, that doesn't it's really apply. Out. You can, you can kind of get away with it if you drop a fawn at the wrong time of year. And I think that's the reason that we have such a weird rut system here. But here's another I weird. really should get a, like one of the fwc deer biologists on this podcast another thing that like is weird to me is like central florida you'll have peak rut in one area first week two or second week archery and then you go two to three miles north and it's like oh peak ruts mid muzzleload yeah then you go to zone b and it's february yep and then you go above zone b and it's back to your typical November. But then you go to the Panhandle, and it's back, and it's to, back to February. February. Or a weird little pocket is Volusia County. Those deer rut now. Like, they're starting to rut. Really? Yeah. You, it's, it's like, the weirdest thing. That's Volusia so County is, like, the it's, like, a little pocket of, from what I've seen over the years, and, like, i just seen a guy post about it now, and they're like, yep, Volusia County, typical rut. It's like, huh. What in the hell? Florida or you go to a lot of sense. Southern but, Alabama, but, it's your typical November, and then you go to northwest, northern Alabama, it's like February. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Are those well, going it, by photo period? But again, this comes back to this argument that I'm making that, like, if there's any way that you can make things a little bit more predictable in the spots that you hunt, 
that's going to benefit you drastically. And if not killing does and keeping track of when does go into yeah. estrus, it's going to help you with that. I think that's a pretty good strategy. Keeping and track again, of your own data points. Yeah. But again, I don't have enough data to back this up, but it's just a theory that I have. Well, I'll, we'll be able to tell this year because if I get that same massive influx of buck activity during that same period that I had it last year, I'm just going to, for me, myself, it'll be my own fact. Nobody, you know, I'll just be like, okay, I know for a fact that this happened in two spots that I've ran cameras for a few years now. Yeah. I'm just going to start logging every time I see a doe in heat or a buck, well, chase, or a buck chasing her. I'm just going to start putting that in my notes. This is actually it. like a really good time for us to, uh, to plug Spartan Forge because uh, we recently started working with Spartan Forge. If you guys don't know about Spartan Forge, it's a new deer hunting app mapping app that um it's i mean i love it so far like I, i've been exploring it um, i've used all the other ones i've used onyx i've used hunt stand in fact we used hunt stand for years um and and we really liked it um but i always found myself kind of wishing that both onyx and hunt stand had uh features of both because like some of them you know each one had features that i really liked well, Spartan Forge has gone and taken all the features that both of them had that are awesome and put it into the same app and then added a whole bunch of other features to it. And one of the, the one I'm talking about right now, they have a journaling um, feature. So when you're sitting in the tree stand and you notice something, you can write notes, you can take pictures, you know, you take a picture of a rub, you can take a picture of a setup or, you know, the weather or a buck or whatever. You can put trail cam pictures on there and say, you know, during this time, all these bucks showed up chasing does. Like this is a time when th there's a doe in estrus here, you know? And I think if you're able to do that, like over time, you get a pretty good data set. And I, I'm not really 100% sure if you can get that data set out and use it in like Excel or any statistical analyses, but, but honestly, probably most people don't want to do that. And I'm just a nerd and I really want to. Um, but anyway, point is, go check out Spartan Forge app. Uh, you can get 20% off your first year uh, of the app if you use our code SNS20. Um, check it out. It's pretty sweet. And it's like way cheaper than all the other apps. It's uh, normally $40 um, for a year, whereas like Onyx for the Elite version is charging like 120 something. And you get all the same data from Spartan Forge. You get uh, every state um, and a, a ton of satellite maps. They have this awesome UAV map that like is so detailed, you could basically just like not go put boots on the ground anymore. You could probably find deer on the map. I mean, you should still go put boots on the ground, but like, I'm just saying like <laughs> the detail is insane. I think one of the coolest things about it is like the accuracy of, I think you scroll all the way to the bottom on the Intel, and the forecast uh, app or uh, the wind roses eight. is that what you're gonna say no the so like how we were just talking about the rut oh yeah so <laughs> peak right on this is a peak breeding september 9th that would be right like dead nuts of what i seen last year on the camera and then as how i was saying i well, get told october it's the second peak breeding october so um to the date i don't want to like get ahead of myself and, and spill beans on this but uh, Bill, the owner of Spartan Forge, I've been talking with him a bunch, and he, um, so he's using uh, 
AI, like um, machine learning to, to do these deer activity predictions. Um, and basically what you can do with AI is you can, you can use that algorithm and you can feed it whatever data you want and it'll learn from the data. So he has that for you know different parts of the state. Well, I went ahead and got him the data from the uh, the South Florida whitetail study or the FWC one they did where they tagged all those deer in big cypress. I downloaded all that data from FWC and gave it to him, and he's actually going to be building a deer activity prediction model specifically for South Florida. That's so, going to be cool. Yeah, and it. And then, and then me and him are going to sit down and we're going to compare um, the Florida model to like other models to see if we can answer that question. Are Florida deer really different? Opinion wise? But opinion no matter. No, we're I'm just saying, about man. It's, we're going to see. We're it's, gonna, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there. I think 100% they're very different because like you get temperatures in I mean, like other parts of this country where it's like like our heat humidity it's knee deep water so you got double the heat from the refraction of the water 115 120 probably real feel when you get down in that swamp it'll be midday and these deer are just cruising and feeding out in the middle of nowhere it's like dude northern well, deer don't do that well sure I, I guess that's just acclimation too. I agree. I think that the deer here are different but I'm curious to see if the data shows that. I think they're psychotic. <laughs> they are and so are we for chasing them uh, yeah <laughs> but anyway i wanted to go back to another thing that you said real quick um because you so you talked about the potentially having rut in different places um you make a god these dogs are getting crazy in they're getting amped up son um we uh you, you you talked about like you had sign like a week and a half before you hunted it and there was all these bucks in there and there was hot does and so you were like yeah i'm gonna hunt that because well, i had what i i missed it i was in there opening day and then the following week was a, i had a different i had a permit and i went and hunted that permit and then the next week when i came back i had screwed myself because that's when the weekend i wasn't there that's when you should have been there yes and but i didn't know yeah. that i didn't I, that was the first time hunting that area yeah and i mean i had that i knew i was going to keep hunting because there was so much sign in there and i had that big big buck i was like oh, it was gonna be a good spot well hey but, dummy when so, you got hot sign hunt it <laughs> that's kind of the point that i'm getting yeah. at is like here in florida like it can be so like flaky almost you know like you could find hot sign and there's bucks all over it because there's a hot doe there and then you come back a week or two later yeah. and they're they're moved on to the next hot I was doe literally you know, because, in there five days later and because, no, no shooters because that doe is gonna be hot like you know she, she's gonna be hot for like what a week or something yeah i don't even i, I don't know. I, I don't i don't really know how long they're hot like that but she's not gonna be hot for long and you know if you're only hunting the weekends you hunt one weekend the next weekend she's gonna either she's either gonna be moved out of that area and the, the bucks have followed her or pushed her she's she's already you know out of estrus and then the next doe is hot and they found her scent and they're chasing after her and they're half a mile away you know those bucks yeah. are around somewhere but where are they i don't know and so i guess the point i'm trying to make is like during that rut like it either you need to be in a really good pinch point where like 
everybody's got to pass through that pinch point to move around that area or you need to be looking for that fresh sign yeah and hunting over it and i'm talking about like you know, want to find a scrape like, that was hit like that day yeah like run and gun hunting like literally yeah, walking around finding the sign and then hanging a tree stand over it when you find that fresh sign you mean a saddle whatever <laughs> it's still a tree stand of sorts nah, like. that's something i'm definitely like this year i'm gonna hunt my spot that i've have like a, a, i have established knowledge of it like i know how to hunt it i know how the deer moving it and then as soon as we get to the stage of last year where i wasn't seeing the good bucks I'm going to run around like a chicken with my head cut off until I find a scrape that was hit that day or the day prior. And I'm going to hunt that because that's something like I, oh, if they hit that scrape, they're coming yeah. back. Well, I like, I like scrape hunting like a lot. I love it because it's just such a, it draws so many deer in. I'm just going to sit 30 if, yards downwind of it and freaking wait. Cause eventually if there's a scrape, it's, if there's an active scrape, it's definitely like, like I'll, I'll choose to hunt over an active scrape over any other sign. Like yeah. I mean, rub, I've killed a, a few deer over scrapes anything. now. Like I, I killed the one that I, that I jacked up my face with. Um, I killed that <laughs> one over over a rub, but that's the first one I've ever killed over a rub. I've, I just I like it because it's a congregation of activity. I've killed. I mean, maybe not killing them directly over the scrape, but coming into it or coming near it, or just just scent checking the area. Yeah. You know, hunting downwind of scrapes, like with my muzzle loader or something like that, but. I just like because you can throw a camera on it and you're not going to you might not get freak nasty on it but when you throw a camera on a scrape you're going to know exactly what's except the big boy the big boy typically i guess i don't know they say they'll still come into the scrape but they'll come at night yeah or and maybe in the daytime they'll check it just send check it downwind and that's how you know i don't know there's a lot of info i mean there's there's going to be probably a couple days out of the year where he gets real aggressive and he'll yeah. come in and, and hit that scrape but you just got to be there at the right exact time that's and it's it's so hard to predict when that's going to be so i don't know i feel like i feel like there's like two ways to go about this like one you find a spot that's consistent it's good pinch point you hunt it you stay on it yeah. and stay consistent and eventually something comes by or you do the exact opposite of that and you just run and gun your way around finding the freshest stuff you can find and hunting it. But the problem is in Florida, it can be really tough to find that like yeah, super fresh sign. Especially like just a little side note, if you're not a Florida resident, moving around down here in early season is hard, man. Cause it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's it's thick, it's wet, it's nasty and it's hundred degrees plus. Yeah. So it's Every like, time. it's not like you can just go like you see all these guys up north, they just throw a pocket, a bottle of water in their pocket. And yeah, I right. walk two, three miles. It's like, dude, you ain't doing that. No, I'll bring like three, li- you know, three liters of water and and like. And that's cutting it close sometimes. Yeah, if I'm going hard, like halfway through the day, I'm already out of my three liters. Sawyer, freaking water filter plug. Yeah, want to sponsor this because I use the shit out of it. I have one. I um, dude, it's it's that day that my dad shot that good eight point. I was out of water. I had three liters. And I ran out by one o'clock, and I was sitting. I've never brought it out in Florida. Oh, I, everybody. I, what was but, it? Robbie was saying the water tastes bad. I'm like, swamp water tastes like minerals, man. Dude, honestly, it doesn't matter as long as you're filtering it properly, and it's yeah, not gonna kill you. I don't give a crap. I've drank in swamp water without a filter because I had no option. Well, it's I, no bueno. I wouldn't advise that. Oh, but I, but, I but this this is the thing though. Is like I don't. 
the reason I don't do it is because I don't need to. No. Because I don't hunt like you do. You go... Stupid. You go stupid. You go way into, like, places that nobody should go to. Don't follow me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> even if you wanted to follow him, you couldn't. Um, well, there's plenty of people that could. I, I mean, I hunt with some people that are... Like, I got a buddy that's... He's a newer hunter. Dude's got more guts and balls than me. I don't know how he does it. It's, I think what you're trying to say is he's got more guts than sense. Probably, yeah. Sometimes like I think you're, you're, he's I, like, "Oh, this is why what you're would supposed you to do, do that? That doesn't that doesn't make your life easier. Just it's stupid." Ah, yeah. That's kind of how one. I feel about the way that you hunt, though. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> um. Anyway, you got any uh precious gems of wisdom you want to share with the with the crowd? Because uh, we're at. A, hour 20 minutes and uh i gotta make sure this house is clean before the wife he gets home i would say something that i've got people telling me uh buddy of mine jesse and then my dad because i get like in certain areas like i'll have a camera and it'll just be lit up constantly because it's on such a pinch point but like out in the glades there's so much room for, like there's so many little trails for them to walk and i'll have like an influx of activity on a camera and then i won't have anything i'm like shit I got nothing on camera, but they're telling me, you know, they're not going to walk in front of your camera every time. Yeah. So don't get discouraged just because like, depending on where you put your camera and how you're trying to use it to hunt it, don't get discouraged when you're not having like bucks or does on camera every single day. Yeah. I'm fighting that myself, but I know I mean, it's true. If you get pictures like a few times a week, that's pretty good because, yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of different trails they can walk. A lot of times, bucks don't even use the trails. They're like walking through bushes and places yeah, like, you didn't even realize they could walk. Those cameras are on just mur giant myrtle thickets, and it's like, oh, I've got to cut. It's like, yeah, yeah, but he's ten feet over, staying in the thick crap, not popping out into the cut. Well, I mean that that I keep talking about this buck, the one that I shot with the muzzleloader that um when I jacked up my eye, like. That one, he was walking through a trail that you would never have found if you didn't see him walk through it. Like when I went, you can watch the video. I, I start tracking his blood and like, it's just like the thickest, nastiest shit you could ever imagine that he's walking around in. And like, I would have never looked at that bush and gone, oh yeah, that's a trail, you know? Like. In the thick stuff too, the little cool thing is when you know it's a buck trail when there's just like the skinny little line of a trail and then about deer head height there's a little bit of like a football or you know football shape of just open twigs yeah. if they're walking through real thick stuff you know it's a buck yeah. yeah that's cool man that is really cool to see that yeah that's all i got if you got trail camera data look for football trails <laughs> hey you know it's a buck trail when you see an antler outline through the twigs yeah um all right i think that's all i got um Make sure y'all are checking out our YouTube channel. I I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably already checked it out. But we got some pretty cool stuff coming this season. Um, got a bunch of saddle hunting tips and tricks coming up. And uh, season is opening this weekend for us. So we're going to be out there in the grass, a version of it, and um, messing around, see if we can't stick an arrow through something. And then... Uh, well, it's only going to ramp up more and more after that. So, that's all, folks. Mark yeah. doesn't like my humor. Yeah, what he said. 
right, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we appreciate the support. Make sure that you're following the podcast or subscribing or whatever the app that you use calls it. Um, maybe tell your friends about this podcast. It's pretty fresh. It's pretty new. So, um, you know, get the word out there. And uh, if you want to check out our camo, go check it out on our website at swampandstompllc.com. It is the high pine camo. It is made for hunting out of a tree. It has the sky in the background. It is pretty sweet. And um, yeah, we love it. A lot of people have been buying it and supplies are running kind of low. So if you want to get some before the season, now is a good time because pretty soon here, we're going to be way too focused on hunting to fulfill your orders. Don't sell them all. I need a few more shirts before season, man. I'm just kidding. I will fulfill your orders. But, <laughs> um, anyway, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. That's all I got. You got nothing? You don't like my humor, man. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>